Please be seated. In one of her sermons, Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopal priest, professor, and author, tells about her experience one day during a trip to Jerusalem. In addition to spending time in the city, she crossed over the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus and his disciples sometimes went to pray. On its western slope, the Mount of Olives looks over the city of Jerusalem. While she was there, Taylor found a small chapel called Dominus Flavit. The name Dominus Flavit comes from Luke's Gospel, in which there are two accounts of Jesus' lament over the loss of Jerusalem. According to tradition, it was here that Jesus wept over the city that had refused him. This is how Taylor describes her experience in the chapel. Inside the chapel, the altar is centered before a high arched window that looks out over the city. Iron grill work divides the view into sections so that on a sunny day, the effect is that of a stained glass window. It is not some artist's rendering of the holy city, but the city itself, with the dome of the rock in the bottom left corner and the church of the holy sepulcher in the middle. Two-thirds of the view is the cloudless sky above the city, which the grillwork turns into a quilt of blue squares. Perhaps this is where the heavenly Jerusalem hovers over the earthly one until time comes for the two to meet. I am reminded of the chapel window at Camp Mitchell. Many of you have seen it. Down below the window, Taylor continues, on the front of the altar is a picture of what never happened in the city. It is a mosaic medallion of a white hen with a golden halo around her head. Her comb resembles a crown, and her wings are spread wide to shelter the pale yellow chicks that crowd around her, crowd around her feet. There are seven of them with black dots for eyes and orange dots for beaks, and they look happy to be there. The hen looks ready to spit fire if anyone comes near her babies. But it never happened. Jesus was able to draw only a few followers within his protected space, except for a few women, even those scattered at the end. The picture and its inscription tell the whole story. It is rimmed with red words in Latin. Translated into English, they read, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. The last phrase is set outside the circle in a pool of red underneath the chick's feet. You were not willing. I was very moved by Taylor's telling of her experience. This image of Jesus as a mother hen rarely comes to my mind. After all the years of having our eyes awash with masculine images of Jesus, you may find it hard as I do to think of Jesus as a mother hen. This Lent, as we ponder what kind of rule of life or way of life will strengthen our relationship with God, we are invited to consider different images of God. In particular, we're invited to consider the world around us. As I think about all the images in Scripture, the hen, 
bread, water, light, and fire, to name the most familiar. As I think about the experiences, weddings, dinner parties, and drawing well water, which was familiar in his day, images and experiences Jesus used to tell about himself and the kingdom of God. I realized that Jesus didn't use theological propositions to teach. He didn't use any of our church words like grace or reconciliation, redemption or incarnation. He let familiar experiences and images about God and the kingdom of God speak for him. Wedding banquets, for example. At the wedding in Cana in John's Gospel, the groom's wine has run out and the groom will be very embarrassed. No wine shops around the corner in those days. Jesus didn't think his time to begin his ministry had come, but it had. When the servants did as he instructed, there was an abundance of wine, and the best wine. God is a gracious giver of abundance, and God gives the best for the pleasure of his wedding guests. In the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, also in John's Gospel, when Jesus asked the woman for a drink of water, he didn't mind that he was breaking social mores by speaking to a woman. He was thirsty, or maybe he simply wanted to have a conversation with her. He paid attention to her, and he could tell she was in trouble because she came to the well at noon instead of the usual time. Because she was also interested in what he had to say, she was promised living water, water that quenches thirst and gives life. She had considered him and what he had to say and found God, the giver of life. What is there around us that tells something of God and the kingdom of God? The wind is an ever-present image right now. It is strong. Wind helps drain farmers' fields for planting. Last year's old leaves are blown away to make way for new ones. In a few months, a gentle summer breeze will cool us. A backpacking trip in New Mexico with the youth groups from Magnolia and Camden came to mind as I thought about the world around me. Mountains are some of my favorite parts of creation. We had broken camp and packed everything for our hike out of the mountains. We took some time to quit to sit quietly and journal about our experience in the wilderness that week or about whatever came to mind. We spread out just below our camping site facing a small rounded mountain across from us, a miniature Petigene Mountain, if you will. Off to the north, we could see a high trail we had hiked and a peak we had climbed. The sky was clear and vast as it is out west. There were mountain ranges in the distance, the winding trail below us, groves of evergreens and aspens, and the small mountain before us. As I looked at that mountain, just a part of which was above ground, the solid strength of it impressed me, and I knew there was a massive base which lay hidden underground. Almighty God was not one of my favorite names for God, but a different image of Almighty came to me. I thought of God, strong, solid, dependable, and immense foundation. Almighty God, as we begin many of our prayers, had new meaning for me. As we carefully consider them, 
Experiences and images can reveal or remind us of something about God. At different times in our lives and different seasons of the year, we see with new eyes. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a little stuck thinking about God a certain way. For example, at the time I thought of the mighty God, when I looked at the massive rock, I was surprised. Almighty God had been rather off-putting to me, seemed so distant. Throughout my life, I have prayed to a gracious God who surrounds and fills me with love and forgives my ungraciousness. Eternal God, who is beyond all knowing and always will be. Loving God, who takes pleasure in each and every one of us when we are loving and when we are not. God, our creator, who has given us unfathomable beauty on this earth and the creatures which inhabit it. The gift of music and art given to some of us has the power to move us deep in our souls. I'll never forget an experience a friend and I had at an art gallery in Santa Fe. The owner pulled out a painting to show us, a painting so powerful that she didn't hang it on the wall. The minute I looked at it, fierce anger welled up inside me, and my friend burst into tears. Maybe you have been similarly moved listening to a piece of music. Music and art are powerful reminders of our Creator. These are just a few ways to understand God. I believe we can grow into a deeper and deeper relationship with God as we explore images and experiences with God in mind. I believe we can come to a different understanding and a fuller knowledge of God through images that once had no meaning or a negative meaning. And most importantly, we will not be limited by a narrow view of God by clinging to one or just a few ideas of God. How many names for God do you pray or say? Let's return to the courageous hen, that unusual image the writer of Luke gives us, and the chapel on the Mount of Olives described by Barbara Taylor. <clears throat> In Lent, it seems a perfect image to me than the almost a more perfect image than anything can be, that hen and her chicks staring across the Kidron Valley to Jerusalem where a fox lives and rules. The hen is wary because she believes the fox is ready to pounce, yet she stands with her wings spread open as I think of Jesus on the cross revealing the God he knows, the God whose arms are open wide to receive every one of us. She is not hiding or crossing her wings to defend herself, but doing whatever has to be done to save her weak and vulnerable chicks, even the chicks who have fallen prey to the fox and stayed back in Jerusalem. I wonder if she is one of the most perfect images of love, which is God. I wonder if she might be our best image this Lent. How much might we learn about standing alone, breast exposed, arms open wide for whatever may come, because we know that no matter what else may happen, God is with us.